Hello, my friends. My name is Aureli. Education Monsters is a podcast that discusses multicultural education. Hello, hello, everybody on Education Monsters. I have a very special guest for today. He lives in Montreal. I'm in Montreal, too. And his name is Feng Yang Fei. He's a restaurant owner at Aunde here in Montreal. So I read through his blog. I read through his story. He's been interviewed by The Guardian, by Today.com, by Food Network, by the Montreal blog, and by the TheDailyHive.com. So he's a huge celebrity right now. I'm super, super happy to have him here because he's published a lot about his history as well. So he has this blog and he's taught about his journey, about his hardship, and also his obsession of learning English. So that's something that totally interests me. And I like how he also has this non-traditional background because although he was in IT before, he sort of quitted that dream like, and also made sure to have his priority and work on his restaurant with his wife. So welcome to you. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. So uh, actually, I'm not giving up the IT. I maybe uh, I still uh, before this whole thing, uh, the Twitter went viral thing. Probably I was thinking to find another IT job, you know. But uh, right now, uh, I may um, stick uh, around with the restaurant business. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, that's even better. I mean, the more skills, the better, right? Yeah, the IT job will be stable though, and the restaurant business, you never know like uh, what will be the tomorrow. For sure. If you have enough time on your schedule and especially if you have the energy like this man, go for it. Like you cannot get enough of learning every single day. And I like how it's also complimentary because in IT, you're like working out different parts of your brain and at the restaurant, you're also performing like your social skills and also making sure that you have all the flavors and have the sensory part. So it's definitely a good thing. Totally support that. So I actually wanted to tell you guys the story of how I came across Feng Yang. So I actually received this message one time from my student. She's like, <laughs> she's a foodie. And she sent me this message. It was about a Montreal blog um, article about this guy who just came up with the most brutally honest menu on his restaurant. And that was like pretty shocking. And people were joking about it. Oh, you should go there for Valentine's Day. It's like pretty raw. So it made me laugh a lot. And I contacted him through email. And I was very, very positively surprised that the answer was positive to be on this podcast. So I'm also very, feeling like very honored to have you here. Um, first of all, can I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners? And where did it start? Like, where, where would you say was your education? Uh, actually, um, the education, I, I have a bachelor degree of uh, computer science in China uh, from 1997 to 2001 mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Tianjin University. It, it's a very good university, probably a top 15 or top 20 uh, in all China universities. So that's my education background. And uh, before that, there will be a very, very humbling uh, uh education i guess uh my uh elementary school primary school uh, i had only uh five years uh, we did not have kindergarten we did not have six years so we had uh, five years in the primary school that's in a village a very poor village and after that i got three uh, years of uh, junior high school that's in a town a very uh, poor town as well so after that, I got three years senior high school. That's in a county level. But that county is not like the U.S. or Canada. The county in China, the county is uh, uh, one level below a city level. So uh, it's uh, probably countryside as well. Um, so that's the three years of uh, junior high, uh, senior high school. After that, I got lucky, uh, went to that uh, good university uh, to learn the computer science. Uh, that time, uh, to 2001 year that time was uh, really good for uh, information technology so i got my first job really good really nice job so that changed everything that's awesome and i'm very happy that you took this non-traditional path of getting out of your situation so you were mentioning coming from a poor village how common is it that someone get out of this village and ends up in canada that time in the 1980s uh, when i grew up it was really rare actually i was the first one in the village to uh, get a bachelor degree and uh, actually the same year i have another guy uh, together with me uh, we went to a university 
he went to Nanjing University. I went to Tianjin University. He did it much better than me, though. Um, that that uh, university is uh, uh, a little bit better than mine. <laughs> wow! <laughs> but, but so, we, my yeah, gosh. But, yeah, but we were the we were the first ones, first two of the whole village, or like uh, I guess the history. Oh but my after gosh! That, yeah, yeah, nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah. But after that, you know, the everything went better, like uh, became better for uh, economic side. So uh, I guess the young kids, they had uh, more chances and uh, we were the pioneers. And uh, after that, uh, especially now, I guess a lot of uh, kids, they got the university education, but uh, we were the first one. Wait, wait. So how big was your village? How many people were living in it? Uh, I would say probably, I'm not sure, maybe 500 families or something. Well, I just wanted to give this huge shout out to this village. Wherever you come from, you should be proud. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> a huge accomplishment. And I feel like this is a theme for people who come from immigrant family. Like we always so used to having this hardship and it's, it's normal to just like power through even during hard times. And so we don't give ourselves enough credit. So it's very important to reflect back and be like, yeah, I was the first one. Let me take a moment, pause on it, and just be proud. Like, this is really amazing. I'm very, very proud of you. And it feels like it would inspire a lot of people to just, like, get an education, even if it's not, like, directly right after high school. Like, there's always chances to find a way to, you know, get out of uh, a situation in which you would want more. And if it's if yes. it's not what you want, it's okay, too. Yeah, it, uh, I was lucky, though. Uh, it's, uh, but, uh, you know, it's like I always appreciate the... The, the education I got there, so the academic side, techno, uh, technological side, so I got a really good job, everything, uh, you know, turned uh, much better for me. But uh, I was uh, prepared uh, when I was really young, so I went through a lot of things. So after that, uh, uh, some challenges, some people would say it's huge, but for me, it's like a normal thing. So it helped me a lot, actually, to overcome a lot of uh, difficulties. For me, uh, late in the life. Yeah, so it's funny because I read on your blog that you also met your now wife at university. Do you think that it was sort of meant to be? Because if you hadn't gotten to university, you would not be with the person you are with right now. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's really a lucky thing for me, the luckiest. Because before I met her, like uh, I was really angry, young man. So, so angry because I my feelings were hurt so many, many times uh, because I was super poor and uh, a lot of times your pride, your uh, your feelings were just hurt and, uh, you know, when you were super young and then you kind of resented uh, a lot of things, uh, super sensitive. I got a lot of, uh, got into a lot of physical fights before that time anybody uh, said anything uh, could offend me, uh, you know, that's uh, super sensitive it's kind of the inferiority uh, feelings that that just uh, holding me down uh, holding me down a lot that time mm -hmm. and it feels very sad because we should not judge someone based on their social status or based on the clothes that they wear but rather on like what's your what's your human value in it and what can you bring to the table what's your potential so it's i'd say like it's more common for teenage teenagers to get mixed up feelings about, okay, I was born in this, but it's also this anger that pulled you out of poverty and also made you who you are. Because like you were saying, fighting is instinctual for you. It was not ever okay to stay in that poor mental state, however you call it, because some people might be happy with it and there's nothing wrong with living in a village. It's just that when you're not happy with something, it's good to take actions, but also... You were talking about this anger. Was it something that you could address to your family? Because it's not like you could resent somebody in particular. It's like the whole system and you don't really choose where you're born. So how did you release that healthily? Actually, actually, you know, it's, I guess it's a society thing. Like, uh, especially the old times, like uh, when I grew up, that's like 30, 40 years ago. So nobody realized this mental health issue, you know. Nobody realized, like, uh, they just push, put everything on, like, young kids, whatever, or doesn't matter. Like, uh, it's it just that time, the old time. Uh, I believe now everything improved a lot, but uh, that time, uh, it was just very common. Nobody would uh, pay attention to uh, this kind of uh, trivial feeling things because uh, I guess they had their 
a lot of issues or stuff to deal with, like uh, when you did not have enough food on your on your table, and uh, you wouldn't care about those young kids' feelings or whatever. So that's very common, and uh, a lot of kids, a lot of people with similar age of mine that time, I still they have issues. I guess even today, if they did not. Um, did not have a chance to uh, to kind of adjust themselves, so it, it still could be an issue. And uh, I see sometimes that could be a that could lead to tragedy or something. But for me, I uh, uh, I still remember like uh, when I was uh, eight, seven, ten years old. I always uh, joked a lot, and uh, people said, "Oh, this guy talked funny or kind of not being serious." And uh, so I use that mechanism to uh, of mocking myself to kind of relieve to get by those my hard days so i guess that's why i always try to be funny even sometimes being funny uh, offended other people uh, some things i said like jokingly and <laughs> some people did not like it so that's uh, but that did help me a lot when i was young to uh, to overcome those kind of uh, like uh, inferiority feelings to overcome that and uh, to get by those days to be honest so I, when I look back right now, I really appreciate that I had that kind of personality to be joking all the time, uh, even like uh, telling jokes about my own self. And uh, that helped a lot. And uh, then I, uh, in the university, I met my wife and got my first job, really good job, almost one of the best in China. And uh, when I got a really good income and uh, get the self-confidence back and I turned into another person. So, but then I have those memory about uh, of being in really poor situations. So that turned into my advantage. So I could understand, even today, I can understand a lot of people, their feelings. I can understand why do they do things like those, like that. So I'm very sensitive to other people's feelings. Even today, a lot of times they do some people like uh, they do things really uh, not easy to understand. But for me, I probably I can understand why did why why did they do those things? Because when they were like super sensitive, they were offended so many times. Thought they thought they were insulted. That gave me a lot of advantage. So when I deal with people for the business restaurant business, uh, basically it's a lot of people to people like connection, the social skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think I can handle this kind of a, a relationship very well, to be honest. So I don't have a lot of skills to like uh, for the kitchen, for other things. Uh, especially, I never liked the technology stuff. Even I made a living or all, all mm-hmm. the to support family. I worked for twenty years in the IT field, information technology field. But I never liked technology. I never liked working on the the setup network to do programming. I always like uh, doing the the management thing, like uh, human connection thing. So I talk a lot to our, our customers. That's why I enjoyed uh, sometimes when the business was not too bad. <laughs> I enjoyed this uh, restaurant business. But uh, <laughs> at at the beginning, when the business was really bad and we lost lots of money. And uh, plus the bad luck with uh, the fire uh, destroyed our first restaurant. And then we uh, made a bad, bad business decision to uh, open the second restaurant in Anru, uh, east of Montreal. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that happened, uh, it was no fun. And that was kind of a low point, really uh, worried. But other than that, uh, I'm pretty lucky and feel uh, pretty good about uh, the having a business, especially this kind of business, to have uh, people connection, talk to customers, talk to people every day. That's the field I enjoy. And uh, especially after this uh, Twitter thing, making me uh, interviewed even by New York Times, and they had uh, printed the newspaper and uh, report on the website as well. And I got a lot of uh, interviews and also a lot of recognitions uh, to uh, customers. I even enjoyed more like that. And uh, I started uh, to record like personal videos, short videos to Mm -hmm. uh, introduce myself, to tell the story about uh, restaurants, cutting vegetables, like uh, that kind of stuff. So uh, talking to people and uh, sharing uh, always my stuff. If I can help the business, uh, restaurant business by doing this stuff, sharing my story, that's even better. 
<laughs> so, For sure. so it, it, yeah, it's working my way now. Yeah, I feel like there's always more to knowing how, how business was started. It's like you were saying, the human connection and understanding like where do people come from, basically. And everything, like you said, revolve around mental health. If you're good in your skin, if you have the confidence, if you know your, your real worth and not your net worth, then you're able to move forward. Even though, like you were saying, there's like a fire, there was also another restaurant that didn't really work out. But like, there's always a passion in you that wants to keep going. And that's what really made me interested in like, I keep reading your blog because it's always like you have issues, but then it ends well because it's all yeah. about the mentality. And I don't know, you, like you've, uh, you've lived in Canada for a long while now. Do you feel like there is a cultural gap between the Western culture and the Eastern culture about how we deal with mental health? I think so. Um, in East, uh, they always keep things to themselves. I think some people, that's not healthy though. They want to, they don't want to show their weakness. They don't want to show they are not good at things. So, uh, and they, they don't want to show other people they are, uh, they are not strong. They are not good. So uh, this over time could be a problem for them, their own mental health. But for me, I, I went, I, I'm the lucky one. I went through a lot of hardship, but then it turned me to even better. So I'm very thick skinned. To be honest, I'm really a kind of a, nothing going to bother me too much. And uh, because I always change, that's for me, it's adapting. I was from countryside. I did not uh, how to use a TV remote unless until <laughs> I went to university. I saw a first real soccer ball in my senior high school, but I adapt, I, uh, I change, I learn. When I moved to Canada, Montreal, I adapt as well. So I open up myself. It's very easy for me. I don't feel ashamed or I don't feel timid. I just express myself because I know doesn't matter what, what I do or like uh, some mistakes I make, it, it won't bother me. So the, the childhood like uh, experience, everything, uh, make me uh, just like uh, mentally strong. Like uh, I'm so uh, so grateful for the the experience I had before. Nothing can uh, make me uh, really really upset. So I just kind of uh, maybe I go down a little bit two seconds and then I will be happy again. I found it really interesting because coming from a poor environment, there's less fear since you also have less to lose, right? So if you have nothing to lose. You only have your dignity. You only have your courage. You only have your drive to get you out of here because it's not like you have much to show off anyway. So there's nothing that can stop you. You know, like when you have, when you start like going into the middle class, that's kind of what I've noticed uh, with um, myself is that when you start accumulating stuff, material stuff, then you start getting attached and those stuff start representing you. But if you don't have stuff, then you only have your personality and that's what comes forward. And I like how you put that in the spotlight on your menu is that you show yourself because what makes you better than a restaurant? It's a restaurant with character and personality and saying to the world like what you think. And it's not just like, oh, I'm writing my restaurant. It's like brutal, honestly. And that's something that I was dying to talk to you about is... It's something I honestly hated in my Asian family. It's how criticizing they were all the time. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, why aren't you like this? Are you too fat? Or like you're eating too much of this? Or like, when are you getting married? So like, so much honesty can sometimes feel like heavy. But in your case, <laughs> it's sort of funny. <laughs> but I was also pondering on that because when people use honesty, brutal honesty, like it's always hidden behind a good intention of they want to protect you, they want to care for you, they want what's best for you. But here you're attacking food. I feel like it's less personal because food's feelings won't get hurt. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the initial intention, intention is just to make customers happy. You know, the way you make customers happy, either by talk to them, care about them. Another is to get them the right information, to give them more information about the dishes they, they would order. So that's the, my way of telling them like, uh, what the dishes are like, and so they're going to make the right choices on the menu. So that way, at least, we try our best to make the good food, and they, may, they, they choose what the, the right choice they want. 
So, you know, probably they will be happy if they're still not happy and they try the right food and they're not happy, that will be the, the quality or the tastiness is not uh, up to their expectation. That's so we can live with that. But uh, I just want to give all the information possible to them. So next I'm going to shoot some uh, videos to explain more on each dish. To be honest, I cannot, uh, like, uh, for a specific dish, I cannot push them saying, okay, let's improve this one, improve that one to some taste I like. That's not how the kitchen is run. I believe you're going to end up hurt uh, the the pride of the cooks or, like, uh, I'm outsider. Uh, they are the experts. I should not tell the experts how to do things. So it, it it's just, like, uh, some dishes I it's not my version. I don't like that taste. That doesn't mean it's not good. That doesn't mean it's not the, the best the cooks can make. So I, I'm outsider. So they are the experts. I want to leave things to the experts. You know, it's uh, uh, when I write the reviews, I just want to give the, the perspective from my side. So just hope that can help the customers to choose uh, dishes they would order. And uh, that's my intention. And also, uh, I want to be a little bit funny and uh, not to be serious on everything. Description on the some dishes, uh, they just, like, I just add a little bit uh, extra, you know. <laughs> it's something, nothing to do with the food or maybe a little bit story or a little bit, uh, you know, uh, jokes. But uh, that's just me, you know. Yeah, and the thing about being self-deprecating is that, yes, one, it's funny. Second, you cannot be disappointed because it's not like I didn't warn you. I did tell you, you should have read the description. But so when you said that you were trying to help the customer, what's the demographic of your customers? Are they mostly Asians? And then they would, like, you would expect them to know what's in the dish? Or are they mostly non-Asian customers then that you would have to explain what is this? What's the texture of that? And what's the taste? Why is it so spicy? Be careful. You might burn your tongue or something. For all Chinese customers, they, you don't need to explain them at all. You don't need to explain nothing because uh, those names are, are, are already well-known names. So when they look, when they see the, the dish name, they know exactly what to expect. Mm -hmm. It just may be a little the, um, difference on like uh, the cooks could make but they know what is that. So they're going to judge you really uh, uh, crazy, you know, if they say, oh, this, I don't like this. I don't like that because they have tasted really good uh, stuff on that version, on that name, on that uh, dish. So if you are different, if you cook different from what they used to have uh, really good ones, like uh, good chances are like they are not happy with that uh, dish we provide. You know, this, uh, we don't need to explain them to them at all. So the, the local customers, they they know genital chicken, they know Cantonese fried noodles, but they don't know the braised pork belly. They don't know the Tuas cooked pork. Those uh, customers, they, they know North American Chinese food, but they somehow they, they were not exposed to the traditional Chinese dishes. So that, that I have to provide more information to make sure like, uh, they don't uh, order some food uh, too big a surprise for them. Some even, they look very uh, nice uh, dish, very, they, they're not spicy, they, they are not uh, greasy, they don't have bones, but still, like uh, we have the noodle salad. The texture is like a jelly or whatever, the texture, when they look fine, but if they taste that texture, they're going to say, what the hell is this? So it's uh, so still, <laughs> I, I, need to, I, I need to explain that uh, to them. Sometimes even like the, the words, this uh, description by text is not enough. So the next step for me, uh, actually, this whole uh, uh, attention I got actually encouraged me to, to put more information out there, to have videos. Um, actually, this Friday, I'm going to, I scheduled with um, the brand. She's going to come to help me to shoot the videos for 10 dishes. Actually, I want to be very real. So the 10 dishes will be in like uh, our delivery boxes. And I'm going to let them sit for 20 minutes just mm -hmm. to simulate how the food are going to stay, how, how the food are going to taste after 20 minutes. Because I would guess about 20 minutes of the average delivery time from time it's cooked, then the customer is going to receive them. Some of the dishes, they may not be very good after sitting in the box for like 20 minutes. So that I'm going to give a real a review on those uh, dishes. So that's like a experiment, like a real uh, lab 
lab test. <laughs> I love it. It's so genuine. And I love how in the society where people tend to be superficial, where you have to have, you know, like a ring light to have the best lighting, everything. You're just trying to be real. And that's what we need more of. Because then, first of all, one, you don't get disappointed. And two, people get more trust into you because you get them, you give them like the real thing. You're not trying to package it into something that will not look like that once you receive it. And that happens a lot, um, especially for like sushi. I don't know if you've seen that, but like the picture you see on the walls because it's always like sushi art, like <laughs> being almost too good looking to eat. But like here, I see on your menu that your pictures look fine. Like it, it's something that I would want to eat because it's something that I can expect. And also the fact that you're putting descriptions, do you think that it's for efficiency? You know, like being um, an analytical kind of guy, you're just like trying to be more efficient. I, it's, it's a trick that I use because I'm also a French teacher and an English teacher online. And I tend to make my own, <laughs> my own PDF. And then I just give them to my students and be like, you know, let me know if you have any question, but I don't feel like repeating myself over and over because when you're presenting the same menu, I know it gets repetitive to have to explain. So I was wondering if it's also like, you know, some sort of a smart, efficient way of like, you know, gaining time so you can deal with more customers. Just like read the menu, you know. Actually, uh, you are the first person to point that direction. That's part of the reasons, I believe, uh, because I'm an engineer. I work like 20 years as an IT engineer. So I always try to find a way to, uh, to make, uh, make things more efficient, uh, more stable, and uh, quality control. So after like every time you have to explain to customer what this dish is like, what, what do you recommend? And when you have a nice website to have more information out there available, so that did help me uh, to save a lot of time on the communication. So you are the first one. I have to give you that credit. <laughs> and nobody, nobody mentioned that before, actually. They all, I always saying like to make people happy, customers make the right choice. That's for sure. But like uh, you can explain all the time in the restaurant, you're going to take a lot of time. So that's why I want to have this description and then later on the video. I, also, five years ago, I started shooting videos for the introduction videos also for some dishes on the online menu you can see the link but those videos really in bad quality but uh, i had the idea then five years ago that time i always had my it job full-time job so i was worried about my job security if i uh, show my face like on those videos so mm -hmm. uh, today i don't have that worry anymore so i'm gonna try my best to explain the dish dishes in video so I think that would be much better, to be honest. I'm pretty confident about explaining things, uh, even in my uh, uh, English level, you know, in my second language. So, uh, you know, uh, people are going to bear with me with that. <laughs> I know you have sometimes some comments like, hey, English is my second language, so you get the gist. I like those sort of comments because... <laughs> then it gives some room for imagination. So it's not like, you know, you give them the recipe and the temperature and the exact uh, way of eating them. So they also have some freedom to it. And for sure, I definitely thought about the efficiency right away because I've been a waitress. Like, it's been so long. Yeah. I worked as a waitress in summer jobs when I was 19, then when I was 23. And I felt like... I could record myself or, you know, like get some sort of a tattoo and people can read my arm and then be like, okay, then you, you can, you know, have the social interaction of, okay, I'm not reading off of a robot, but yeah, you can, you can have your, have a button on your arm. Let's, you can ask them, press that button and yes. play the play a recording for you. I know, you know, like have some sort of hat and then like the screen would just display uh, whatever question they're asking, I can press myself a button and then my hat could just show like what the description of the food is. But here's the thing. So I know it's efficient to go this way because it's a small little paragraph. But the other thing is it's adding marketing. And off the time, I think that we don't play on that because like, you know, I go to Chinatown sometimes. I eat Chinese food. And most of the times, whatever English or French translation there is on the menu is not clear enough for me to know, like, what's in your chicken soup? Can you please give me more description? And they're like, it's just a chicken soup and we have traditional spices, but that's it. 
the waiter doesn't even know it more. And that does not make me trust the restaurant because you don't even know what you're putting. You don't even know what you're selling. So here, I think it's a great marketing thing because as I was reading your menu, it made me salivate. It made me want to eat and it made me want to order Chinese food from you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's the... I got this idea of having this restaurant with the website explain things. Uh, part of that, like long before I had the restaurant, because I used to go to a, a Italian restaurant, a French restaurant. I was, um, I just did not know what those dishes have like in them. And I was shy to ask those questions, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, I was like afraid it would take long or my English was not uh, good enough to uh, understand what the waitress would tell me or to answer the question properly. So a lot of time uh, when, when I look at the Italian menu, like probably some of them uh, French or Italian, like French, Italian, like uh, I, I could understand either of them. So <laughs> even they have two languages on the menu, it's still like uh, <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff for me. And even some English, you know, especially the, that, some words for food industry. Uh, even in English, I still think, oh, is this French or Italian? Like, <laughs> I don't recognize this English, you know. So I know I have... sometimes, sometimes I have to use Google image. It's so bad. But like, also yeah, it depends on the culture because there's this thing where Chinese food is, is like has the reputation of being cheap. But like you go to yeah. a French restaurant or an Italian restaurant, it's more upper class. And so if you dare asking, what is this dish? Then they'll look at you and be like, what? You don't know. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, exactly. It's like intimidation. Yeah, it's like yeah. intimidation. You know? Exactly. They're like, "Are you from the countryside? Like, where did you grow up?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so, had that trouble. Yeah, yeah, I had that trouble. So, I, I would say I don't want to have people go through the same experience I went through. You know, it's a, uh, it's embarrassing to ask those questions. So you have, I had to take a guess. Oh, this is a lamb, or this is a steak whatever comes with it I, I think i should be okay with it so uh, as long as uh, it's food i think i can swallow you know <laughs> that kind of a... <laughs> yes i i like that and so since your menu is in english um i also thought that it was translated in french some of it how did you get the confidence to finally publish in english because you said in your blog that you were sort of obsessed with the language knowing that it was like it started as a complex but then how did you get rid of your fear to finally own it? And when you said, yeah, I don't master the language 100% or 1000%, but I'm still going to do it. Because a lot of people, I've taught English and French for a year and a half, maybe more, maybe more like four years. And a lot of people still struggle with confidence in appearing. If you don't speak perfect, then don't even speak at all. After, I guess, about 10, uh, 10 years ago sometime, I kind of just realized, like, uh, I, I'm not good at those things, but uh, I'm allowed to make a lot of mistakes. So my skin just grew thicker and thicker. So I, I just did not care that much because I'm allowed to, everybody is allowed to make a lot of mistakes, you know. Uh, sometimes even, like, uh, silly mistakes, like the language, like French, English, I just tell or write down whatever um, I know. Like, I don't think people should care about, uh, they know uh, they make a lot of language mistakes because if you are using English as a second language, you're already learning the second language. A lot of people, especially the Americans, they know only English one language, you know. You don't need to feel bad about yourself, you know. It's, uh, it's very... Uh, uh, a brave thing to uh, start a new language you know it's uh, it's a good thing you don't have to be really good at it and start uh, uh, expressing yourself in writing or speaking so i i think that's the that's the lesson i uh, learned uh, and uh, i uh, i'm i'm lucky uh, i got that early i uh, overcome that kind of fear really early on uh, like uh, maybe 10 15 years ago so i just tried to uh, to use whatever I have and uh, not uh, worry about the mistakes. And uh, more mistakes uh, make me improve uh, faster. And let's not forget that we live in Montreal. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah exactly. People... I, my, my English is a lot better than some people, and my French could be better than uh, some of them, some folks too. Yes, <laughs> some people were born here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very forgiving city. 
Like, let's yeah. be real. It's not like walking around in Paris where people would judge if you say something not with the right accent. Like, it's such forgiving city that it removes you from all conflicts because you pointed out something super important here is that most of North America is coming from immigration. And let's not forget that there were people before us. Let's not to say, let, like, let's not get into like this huge debate of like who owns what, what's the land and what's the original culture and everything, even though we know the answer. The important thing here is everything's moving. Everything is adapting and changing all the time. So even though English is the main language, the main international language now, Chinese might be the next international language in 10 years. Like, let's not try to to find like what's the majority and what's minority here because we're we're just like accepting this diversity and making sure that you're learning something it's an effort and who's who else is like learning a language raise your hand everybody has learned languages in school and it's hard we know it's hard like not everybody was just born with this amazing ability to just like pick up words and if you watch like a tv series in language all of a sudden you're bilingual like it it is a real task and It's definitely something that people judge on. That's why I think you should not judge an accent because it means that this person is working their brain off and they'll probably live longer than you and they'll probably have less Alzheimer's than you because they are working their brains. So it's, uh, you said it uh, perfectly. Like Montreal is, uh, for me, is the best city. It's uh, really, uh, everybody can find a little comfort uh, for their own stuff, you know, like uh, whatever background you come from and uh, You always can find the comfort here in this uh, Montreal, this city. And yeah. uh, a lot of cultures, a lot of uh, different people. You just like respect each other, kind of learn from each other. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. And you made me laugh a lot because on your menu, so you said the Chinese name of this dish is called Tiger's Vegetable. I don't know why it's called that name. A lot of Chinese know this dish, but maybe, but I don't. Maybe I'm not so Chinese. So does it mean I, you've adapted? Yeah, I still don't know why. Why I still don't know why it's called that name, Tiger's Vegetable. It's <laughs> I still don't know why people come up with that name. <laughs> but, but I like I like how you said maybe I'm not so Chinese. Like, what do you mean? Maybe I'm not so Chinese. Actually, uh, I adapt a lot. I, I'm very international. Uh, even I I don't feel ashamed to admit I like Subway sandwich the most. Um, really? I always say if, yeah, I always say like, uh, if I can choose only two restaurants, one Subway, one on deck, and if I want to healthy, I will eat sub, Subway sandwich with all sauce, and then if I want to, once a while, want to taste the food, I go to on deck. So uh, I, I just like, uh, I, I want them, things to be simple, but I accept a lot of things, like I like steaks, like uh, steak is very good, and also... I went to, uh, I go to Italian or French restaurant. They have that bread, like a restaurant baked uh, bread. I can eat, I will ask the waitress to, to bring another basket of uh, bread. I, after I eating the bread, even the appetite was too much for me. <laughs> I just like those, I, I, I like those Italian, French restaurants and with the bread, everything, uh, like uh, Middle East food, Indian food, like everything, I accept everything. I think very few, uh, very good about myself is even I like that stuff like some stuff but I don't have them I don't miss them that's the thing I'm not obsessed with anything I'm very easy I if I find a McDonald's like next to me I can eat, eat McDonald's every day I if I like some food if you bring that food to me I will enjoy it but if I don't have that food for years I'm okay with it because I grew up in a, in a village near a lake huge lake so I end up eating a lot of fish freshwater fish So for me, the, the sea fish uh, never, can never compare to the uh, freshwater fish. I ate a lot of freshwater fish, but nobody cooked that fish here for like 20 years for me, even in the big cities in China. But uh, I never missed it. But when I go back to my village, go back to my parents, uh, my daddy always gets some fresh uh, fish from the lake, really fresh wild fish, not from the, from the farm from a, a wild fish. He always know I like that fish, but every time I went to my village and I had that fish, I enjoyed it a lot. And it's amazing. It's like the same flavor, same taste, and it's wild fish. But when I leave that city, I leave that village, uh, either go to the big city, the first city, uh, Shenzhen, I walked in, 
or, or different countries or Canada. I never miss that thing. It's very unique for me. And uh, I adapt. I, I'm like a water. They said a woman is a, a form of water. Like in Chinese, I don't know English or not. But in Chinese, they said a woman is softer than like a water. I'm a, like a water. <laughs> like I, I adapt. I change the form, a shape. So hmm. for me, it's, uh, it's weird. For me, I even I feel my, myself weird because I, I like things, but I don't miss them if I don't have them. You know, that's, I'm very, you know, you can, you can call it Zen, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's very peculiar, especially coming from like poor villages, because when there's not enough food, you tend to like hoard or you tend to like crave something that, that you don't have. That's, that's, that's the thing. Like, I guess, like, uh, for example, the meat. Like the, when I was seven, eight, the whole year, maybe I never had everything added together. Maybe I never had a, a more than one pound of meat. But somehow people saying you did not have enough meat when you were young, kid, and you probably like eating meat. But I'm the opposite. I Even today, I don't like eating meat, <laughs> to be honest. Mm -hmm. I like eating health, like the vegetables, a lot of vegetables, broccoli recently. I, in the restaurant, I eat a lot of broccoli, a lot of broccoli, just broccoli with the uh, garlic sauce you know just like broccoli i'm very weird even to myself i i did not have enough meat to eat when i was really young but when i grew up when i really had the money to buy a lot of meat eat a lot of meat i i do not like it either so uh <laughs> very interesting here's a story i was born in france and i was raised in france and we were spoiled with french pastries and when i moved to the states i lived there for seven years There was this craving, not because I used to eat a lot back then when I was young, because my parents mostly cooked like a French Cambodian fusion type of cuisine, but not so much sweet, like not too excessive in, in pastries. But like the second I was in the States and knew that I did not have easy access to it, it became rare. It became like, oh my gosh, like when I go, I have to binge and I have to fill my suitcase with pastry because... <laughs> yeah. Because it's not yeah the, the, really the French yeah the French baguette is really good and when mm -hmm. I I guess before we had our first kid and uh, my wife and I when she was pregnant we took the last chance to visit Europe and we spent seven days in Paris nine days in Rome and we just like the in Paris the only food we enjoyed is the baguette uh, made sandwich the sandwich with baguette is really great mm -hmm. and in, in Rome we had a lot of pizzas everything. We just found the stuff in uh, in Paris, like very expensive. But uh, their baguette is good. But other, you know, other food uh, we did not uh, compare to uh, the food in Rome. And uh, I guess the Rome is more accessible to uh, to foreigners, you know. For sure, and you have to live. You know, you have to eat what's accessible. And it's not because you don't have something that there's no good thing in front of you. Like there's good food everywhere. You just have to know where to find it. But so yeah, for me, it's it's very very weird. I I like all food, but I don't stay on one kind of food, even Chinese food. If you put me into some country without any Chinese food for five years, I I'm totally happy with it. I'm totally okay. <laughs> Somehow, it's very Buddhist of you, you know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. I I I could be a monk <laughs> today. I tomorrow I go to a mountain. I could be a monk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, living with like two t-shirts and yeah, same exactly. food, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, for me, it's it's very weird. But I, I have a lot of philosophy things. I think about this kind of the way world is, the world is working, how people connected, how I, I think, a lot of this kind of, think a lot of this kind of stuff when I have free time. So that's why I want to write a book, my ideas, uh, whatever. So kind of uh, maybe some people, that's why a lot of my Chinese friends, they think me a weird, you know, uh, I'm probably very, very weird to a lot of them. You're definitely outspoken for a person coming from Asian culture because I always like speak a lot on my podcast episode about the difference between, you know, the West and the East as to, you, you were mentioning before, you know, like the East is more reserved. You have to think about the group, but yet here you are making your independence and living the best of your life and wanting to promote yourself as an individual for your restaurant for your own business and it's uh, a little unique for me because it's not super traditional so i like to break codes i like to to break traditions and it's not right or wrong it's just like you have to be yourself 
I'm still very, uh, I think I'm still very traditional, but I'm also very, uh, want to be myself. And uh, when I was exposed to the Western culture, like 2002, my first time to be outside of the country. So I started like, uh, started to like the American stand-up comedian. I watch a lot of them on YouTube. For me, it's very, give me a lot of chance to be myself, to, I don't need to care that much, you know, like, uh, so, but at the same time, very traditional. We have the family, like the parents, like you from Asia, uh, I from the, like, Asia background. So the view I see seniors, uh, especially my parents' generation, the grandparents' generation, a lot of them, they are gone with my age. But like the, that tradition is still with me, but I'm also adapting to kind of a very Western way of like uh, just, you know, doing your own thing, be nice to people. And even to my own daughter, like he, she's eight. And I just, you know, just play with her, like uh, joking with her. And then she's happy, I'm happy. I never gonna raise her like the same way uh my parents raised me you know a lot of pressure all that time uh no uh, actually my parents really cool they did not uh, <laughs> give me a lot of pressure though that's nice and it could also be why you know if you have cool parents then you have less pressure to satisfy them like you just do because they've been good to you whereas like some people yeah. try to use force or maybe punishment yeah we, we, yeah we were so poor and then they did not even care probably about but uh also, like my father was really, my dad was really giving me a lot of freedom to choose whatever. Uh, either I choose to go to senior high school or join uh, what is that, the technical training center, uh, those kind of schools. Mm -hmm. And uh, that decision was, I, I made that decision by my, myself. That's when after the senior, uh, junior high school, all decisions, which uh, major, which university I went to, and which uh, major I chose, uh, a girlfriend I chose, and who to marry. And my dad never like um, kind of uh, give me any opinions, to be honest. It's very cool relationship. And, and I was healthy, on right? my own. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very healthy parenting style. And I think that you can also propagate this to your to your daughter is that since you were so secure with your attachment with your parents is that if you make your own choice, then you don't fear making them angry or making them disappointed then it's also letting the other person grow not for yourself but for the world you know like parents have this responsibility to make sure that the kid has moral and ethical good values for themselves and like to not hurt others but like the choice belongs to the kid it never is ultimately the parents who has to choose because then it becomes toxic exactly uh, actually, before I came to Canada, I did not have this view. But uh, after I came here, I adapted the view to everybody have their own life. They have their own choice to make, uh, their own mistakes to make, or their own things to achieve. So you can only help a little bit. You don't overreach or like. Uh, so that's like uh, I adapted that. So for me, I I followed that rule like long before, like uh, ten years, like right after I arrived in uh, Montreal. Somehow I changed that uh, view uh, really quickly. So I'm very uh, easy uh, with my daughter later on, whatever, you know, I will be very, uh, because that's her life. I can uh, probably, uh, to watch her grow, you know, uh, probably can watch her make mistakes. But you always learn mistakes, uh, learn from mistakes. I made a huge amount of mistakes my whole life. But magically, it turned out great for me, actually. Uh, I, that's why I feel really lucky. But I a lot of mistakes, a lot of uh, misfortune, but uh, maybe uh, that's God's will. You know? Yeah, it's definitely about the mindset because if you never made a mistake in your life, then you've never lived. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's also very hard for Asians because we did mention that it's hard for them to express feelings because they feel so much shame into failing that they don't take a lot of risk. And that's too bad for a lot of people who want to become entrepreneur is that the shame is stopping them from making mistakes, which is stopping them from acting in the first place. And I can recognize myself in that. I've struggled a lot by getting over my fear. And, you know, when you were raised your whole life with that Asian culture of like, you have to pressure to be the best and you have to compare to others. And it's, it's hard to break the mold 
but it's also good to take the distance and to think for yourself that it's not just yeah. society that you live it's for yourself yeah but you start really well you you are you are very young you you start early that's a great thing <laughs> well bless the pandemic like we have a lot of introspection time and i think it's time to meditate and see what we want for ourselves too it's like it give you more time to think mm -hmm. yeah so yeah this pandemic also has good sides besides like you know the economic crash and a lot of um, death and unfortunate uh, people who got sick so okay so do you happen to have a last piece of advice for listeners for today uh i i don't know because i i just my personal motto is just try to be funny and uh, don't be serious mm -hmm. that's awesome and how often do you publish your blog articles Actually, I try to uh, write an art blog every two or three days, and uh, some of, most of them supposed to be uh, related to restaurants. Sometimes, I I really want to uh, write something about my uh, mom and dad, maybe uh, or myself. Maybe some of them not related to restaurant, just like personal story. And maybe two or three days, or like I will write one piece. Now I ha we hired a new guy, uh, pretty good, I guess. And so I just recently, I freed myself a little bit time. So I started shooting some videos uh, for myself, telling stories. That YouTube channel is really a beginning. And I just want to be open if anybody interested about me, so they can check out my blog and video. Uh, probably they will find I'm really boring, trying to be funny, but not really funny, just <laughs> boring. Yeah. But I always, I always be very conservative, very uh, safe. I always say we try. I try to be funny. I'm not saying I'm funny. <laughs> you see, this is engineer. <laughs> you know, I'm an engineer. I want to be uh, correct. <laughs> You're a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Just always like to bring that. this up because I will post a link of Feng Yang's blog, his Instagram, his Twitter, and his Facebook. And let me know if I forgot anything, but it's going to be on the link below. So go check it out. It's very resourceful. And I like how it's inspiring me to, you know, dare more, make mistakes, and also not be ashamed of breaking tradition and also keeping tradition at the same time. Those are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Also, one last thing. A lot of people, they know me and I say things here, there, you know, but I always say I'm contradicting to myself. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I always change. <laughs> And it's fine with humans, so we don't have to make a lot of sense, you know, machines do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time again, and I hope you have a great night. Thank you, have a great night. If you love the podcast, you can check out my blog, Education Monsters. It's education-monsters.com. You can also support my project on multicultural education by donating on my Patreon page. The link is posted below. If you make a donation, you could have a shout out on my next article or podcast. You could also choose the subject of my new article or podcast. And if you need French or English lessons, meet me on the italki platform. I'll put the link below. Shoot me a message as well if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast. And may today be the best day of your life. Bye.